Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. With the first pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Trevor Lawrence, quarterback Clemson. And so the inevitable has finally become reality. And what a moment it was here in Jacksonville for this city, for this franchise, for you, the Jags fans. Heck, it was a big moment for me. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Had nothing to do with me, but I thought it was very cool. And what a moment for Trevor Lawrence, his family, all the people that have touched him over the years from Cartersville, Georgia to Clemson, South Carolina. There it is, Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick in the 2021 draft and a wild 15, 18 hours now since being named the number one pick, 823-ish, I think it was, last night. Partied up a little bit. Then you find out that your teammate, Travis Etienne, is coming to Jacksonville with you, pick number 25. He'll be part of that backfield, and you can do some fun things on offense with Etienne. And then, on top of that, get a good night's sleep, or probably not a good night's sleep, fly here to Jacksonville, greeted by some third graders from Long Branch Elementary, got to shake hands and, or at least fist bump, take some pictures with those kids and uh, do some interviews. Just met the media moments ago. You heard it right here on ESPN 690 and on WOKV. Some of that news conference will play some of it back. My conversation as well coming up with Trevor Lawrence. And, hey, first impressions are a good one for the six foot six quarterback from Cartersville, Georgia, and Clemson. University, The Jaguars have their man. They're fired up about it. Everybody in town continues to be fired up about it. And now we look forward to tonight as well because the Jaguars are essentially on the clock for the second consecutive day. They have the first pick. Round number two tonight, three tonight as well. Jags will have three selections. What will the Jags do at number 33 is something uh, we certainly will discuss. Now, let me introduce you to my co-host, also a part-time producer on Twitter. Yeah, man. Uh, Very well done. Thank you. Thank you. First of all, let me start by saying there's nothing more humbling than walking in the stadium and not being on the media list and them having to vet you through a multiple process of saying, okay, what are you doing here and why do you ask you during the credentials? So you were on the list yesterday but not today? I was on the list yesterday but not on the list today. So we had to go through a little bit of a process, but we're here now, and we're all good. Yeah, maybe that was a one-day list. Don't take yeah. offense to that. That might have been just oh, that we didn't plan to do oh, the dude, show potentially here. I don't care. I'm, I'm here now. So Less on them, more on probably us. No, it's all just good. Just put on Kuz. He was getting married, didn't put credentials Come on, Kuz, you're better than that, man. I'm Not sorry. that it's his job, but no, I will well, add it to the you, list. You told me to blame him. I'm blaming somebody. Yeah, absolutely. You always yeah. blame somebody. Usually blame Got somebody to. who's not here because then they to. can't defend themselves. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, hey, what was it like, man? What was uh, the, the whole night like from the couch? And yeah. uh, was it everything you thought it would be? Yeah. And here we are. Now it's time to move on from the hype and the anticipation and now flip this around to what else they'll do. There's some anticipation tonight and tomorrow, of course. But now we start to get down to, okay, how's this going to work? How quick can it turn? What are they going to do with him? What kind of offense are are they going to run? How will ETN help? But yeah. first, how was the draft night? Uh, draft night was fun. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, man. You know, having the, the the first pick of the draft, it really you really see behind the scenes of how long it takes to get to that point, right? Because usually the Jaguars are picking maybe third or fourth or ninth, whatever the case may be. 
But last night, man, I was just like, can we get this thing started? You know, I mean, Roger Goodell had, like, the former Cleveland Brown alumni there. They were giving their speeches and giving their chants. And meanwhile, I'm just like, let's get this show on the road. Finally, Trevor Lawrence gets selected. And obviously, um, you know, as excited as one could be, knowing he's going to come here for, what, the past half year now, it seems like. And then with pick 25, that's where things got interesting, obviously, with Travis Etienne. Um, Definitely a guy I didn't see coming. I I think a lot of experts, a lot of fans didn't perceive that pick to be at number 25. But, well, like I said, a very interesting pick nonetheless. Yeah, just to go back to the moment, uh, I think that was interesting because you in your living room or at whatever draft party you might have been at, there's a good chunk of people up in Cleveland, by the way, at the NFL draft, and obviously there were 7,000-plus here, and we were live on TV. And we had planned, right, some shows and how how long will it take to get that pick? When will that pick? Well, I think there was a little bit of misinterpretation of that. and I, I think I was right on this from the initial stage, and then we kind of altered it a few times. But basically there were – Jags were kind of told around 8-10. I don't think it was crystal clear that 8-10 was when the commission was basically going to come out and put the Jags on the clock. I think many people assumed that's when the pick would be made because draft starts at 8, 8-10, makes some sense. Well, that wasn't the case. I mean, that was when uh, Goodell came out, introduced the draft, Jags go on the clock, uh, or he says his opening you know, remarks, and then they go on the clock. So really, I think it was about 8.23 when the Jaguars officially got announced, at least here on the big board uh, at TIAA Bank Field. I mean, nonetheless, it didn't matter, but I think to your point, it was a little more of a waiting game than any of us anticipated. We all had our, our clocks wrapped around like 8.10, 8.12, somewhere in there, and it ended up being about 10 minutes later. But it was really cool in here. We're live on TV right up there in the Terrace Suites, and you could feel it. You could 7,000 felt bigger than 7,000. Almost the anticipation of them announcing the pick was better than the revelation that the pick was made. Uh, you could just feel the energy, the buzz, and I, I kind of felt that probably was the case all again in living rooms and parties and everywhere saying all right this is it finally time to make it official and some places i saw reaction we had cameras all over the place and it was just kind of like a low-key reaction because we have known it for so long i mean this was a foregone conclusion uh but then when he addressed the crowd up on the during the media session okay. and he kind of addressed the crowd here at tia bank field and said hey, you know some nice things about Duval and already getting to know him a little bit because of the wedding registry and can't wait to get there. When he was done with that comment, this place really erupted. So the whole thing was well done by the Jags, pretty cool, and hopefully you never have to do it again. I mean, yeah. never in a long time, but at least not in the near future. But it was a special night to be a part of. And then you just hit it. I think it is a surprise, Travis, Travis Etienne. Uh, I, I don't think it's a bad pick. I, I just think it's a surprise because I think a lot of people said, okay, if ETN is even in play, I think it would come at 33 or 45. Yeah. I don't think anybody ever really thought at 25. Now, there were a lot of mock drafts, a lot of experts, a lot of analysts that said a team might go get Travis ETN at 22 or 28 or wherever it might be. The Jags obviously didn't think he would slide to 33. And they actually do get fortunate because some of the other names that we're familiar with, defensive players like Trevon Merrick or Christian Barmore, if they want to go that route at defensive tackle and safety, still on the board at number 33. So whether you like the pick or not, the Jaguars are likely going to end up with the player that they coveted, and you might have even coveted, by taking ETN before that pick. See, here's the counter-argument with that, though. First of all, if you're a Jaguars fan, I think you're excited for ETN, right? Because you followed him in college. He's a home-run threat. He's a nice compliment to James Robinson. Like, There's a lot of things to like about Travis ETN. At the same time, though, 
the football player in me and just, I guess, the personnel guy in me wants to go, okay, I get it. He's the home run threat. He's explosive. He's dynamic. Can be a great third down back. All that stuff. But at the same time, we're talking about a team last year who in a lot of categories was dead last in defense. And you have a situation where you have the, the choice to get the top safety or the top interior defensive line. Or if you take one of those guys, and if it was me, it probably would have been Merrig. And then all of a sudden you're sitting here today saying, we can get the top interior defensive line as well. So now we can have the top safety and the top interior defensive line. And once again, I understand these aren't deep draft classes at those positions. I think everybody would say they're probably the best at their position. So it's very rare we can get two guys on defense that are rated at the top of their position um, in each rank. So that's, to me, why it's a little bit surprising. And obviously, to what James Robinson, yes, James Robinson has a lot of things at the running back position. Is he a home run hitter? Probably not. But I think he's a damn good running back, all right? And I think you have to give him respect as well. And I think that when we look around the league, like, I get it. We talk about the league shifting to these high-powered offenses and these you know, explosive running backs, all that stuff. Well, did Kansas City have that? I mean, Clyde Oates-Hilaire wasn't really around that much because he was hurt. Did Buffalo have that? Does Tennessee have that? They have Derrick Henry, but is he really explosive? I don't know. Did Tampa Bay have that? Because they had Leonard Fournette last time I checked dominating in Green Bay. So I understand that it's exciting. He's an explosive guy. But it's also a luxury pick, in my opinion, and I would like to see him go maybe on the defensive side of the ball a little more. Yeah, and listen, I like – here's why I like ETN, okay? And, by the way, the very good points. Uh, Barmore and Merrick, if you could end it up with both, yeah. very good points, uh, no doubt. But let me get you inside what I think the mind of Urban Meyer a little bit. This is, this is just my interpretation. Sure. And also living some lessons from the past, being around here and watching it not work out. So I've uh, got a couple examples. Urban Meyer comes in here, and what does he say right away? Really, he, he said, speed. We want to be fast. We want to play fast. We need more speed. We have some speed. We need more speed. Mm. Well, ETN delivers on that. He also just said recently, last couple weeks, after watching a lot of film, they were lacking the big play. Well, this guy's a big play machine, at least at the collegiate level. 70 touchdowns in his collegiate career. Sure. And so I think they look at something like that and say, hey, we might be able to design some things. Kadarius Tony caught my attention, not because I wanted him here, but if Urban Meyer said I can do things with him, well, I would trust that because he's been very successful in the past with a player like Kadarius Tony, who you can move all over the place. Well, ETN, while not a receiver, is a running back. He can receive, and he can also be put all over the place on your offense. And so that's where I'm that with Urban and ETN, I kind of feel like he has this vision for him in this offense, along with Daryl Bevel, along with Brian Schottenheimer, how they shape this offense of what they can do. Uh, two more thoughts on it, okay? okay? One being, I don't know what they're going to get at tight end. I said this, I think, yesterday on the show. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do there. I don't know if they can solve their issues there. We even believe if Pat Fryermuth say is the guy at 33 or 45, we've done the study. The impact of the tight end early on is not great. They need to add to the room. No doubt about it. They need to rebuild the room. And we're not going Tim Tebow conversation here. But they need to get more, and they need to be better there. It's a very big void on this football team. But are there other ways to play offensively if you don't have the tight end? And the answer is yes. You can use ETN maybe in different roles. I'm not saying as a tight end. I'm just saying you add another receiver in the game, you go to different looks, and now you – Instead of having the tight end, you use ETN. If you had the playmaking tight end, you might not have needed ETN, is my point. And then I'll take, make one more um, uh, defense of the ETN pick. Okay. And this one might be the biggest one. When Gus Bradley got here, 
And Dave Caldwell started 2013. Obviously, they ripped up the team. But what was Gus Bradley? He was a defensive coach, right? That's what he was known for. Helped uh, build that Seattle Legion of Boom defense along with Pete Carroll. Sure. Uh, but been, some give him credit to being the architect of that defense. And now we've seen some of that defense sprinkled not only here in 17 and, and other years, but around the NFL. Well, Gus made a mistake. The mistake was hiring Jet Fish, first of all, I believe. That didn't work out. Other than that, they tried to build the offense. They went and got Bortles. They went and got receivers. They went and added to the the offense. He's a defensive guy. Mm -hmm. If my brand and my identity as a coach is defense, why not build that up first and then bring along the offense? I think he made a tactical mistake there because he couldn't build the defense until it was almost too late. I think what Urban Meyer is saying is, hey, I'm an offensive guy. This is what I do. I know this best. We have to get better on defense. But I'm going to make sure that this offense is good. We just drafted a franchise quarterback. I'm going to set him up for success, and we're going to go score some damn points. So I think this is the right way to go about it. I don't know what else they'll add on offense. Could be tight end. Could even be another playmaker. But I think they want to be as good as possible early under Meyer on the offensive side of the football. And and you're absolutely right. And Urban Meyer did tell us he's looking for a speed. Travis Etienne is that guy. But I also heard Urban Meyer say time and time again that he has to learn how to appreciate value. And to me, Travis Etienne in the first round doesn't provide you value. I think if you take Felton in the fourth, fifth, or sixth round, or maybe like a Chuba Hubbard, or Chuba Hubbard in that kind of range as well, that can provide you a little more value. I think it's hard to justify taking a guy in the first round and saying, all right, He's going to be our third down back, you know, with Carlos Hyde and obviously with James Robinson as well. Maybe he gets 10 touches a game. We're not even 10 touches, maybe 10 reps a game. Maybe they ease him into it a little bit. But once again, if we're talking a running back in the first round, you got to ask yourself, how much value do you get with that? I like uh, what you said, though. I, I do think that's a really good point, is could you have gotten Merrig 25 or Barmore 25 and Merrig again tonight, which it looks like you could have. Correct. There's no way to play that out. But there's obviously, they had a bead on the fact that they liked ETN, and they thought somebody was going to take well, him, right? Think, and, and, and somebody I think uh, texted me, actually, and said the Bills, the, right? The Bills yeah, would have taken yeah. him, yeah. Uh, so, and I don't know that for sure, but, I mean, if that's what they thought, and they know that. They get a good feel for that. Teams know kind of who they're, they're after. Yeah. And so, go get them at 25, and well, they got their guy. And it, Here's one last thing on this part for now. Does he help change their offense? I asked you if they got an offensive player at 25. Kadarius Toney, Rondale Moore, um, you name it. Uh, Elijah, Elijah Moore. Uh, Moore. Yeah. Does, he, does that person change the offense? Does it change the dynamic? Does it make you more difficult to defend? Does ETN do that? I mean, of course he does. You know, because once again, you're talking about a third down back, and also Urban Meyer kind of alluded to a little bit where they're going to feature possibly some two back sets. So that's a new wrinkle. Um, defenses will have to take note of that a little bit. And to me, it echoes what we talked about a little bit uh, probably like about a week or two weeks ago when we discussed, you know, who's calling the shots here. Is it Urban Meyer or Trent Baalke? You know, and, and we talked about the, the, the adjective of value. You know, does Urban Meyer believe in value? He's saying that he's learning to, to use value. This is an Urban Meyer draft pick right yeah, here. Yeah, it was. I think if, and listen, I don't want to speak for him, but I believe if Balky had it his way, he would have went in a different direction. Because I think Trent Balky, uh, you know, obviously values value a little more than Urban Meyer does. And once, once again, like, I'm, am I disappointed in the draft pick? Not really. I just would have went in a different direction. It shows you that Urban Meyer wants to win right now. And like you said, he's an offensive-minded guy. I, I get all that. But it just screams the fact that 
and once again, maybe it comes out hopefully soon where if you're in that draft room and, and they're going through who they want to take, I believe Urban Meyer definitely had the final say of this one, taking offensive guy at the running back position. That's a great call, by the way. I didn't really think about that yet. There's been so much to digest, but I think you're right. I think that is an urban. This was an Urban Meyer play, and that's kind of my point too. If I'm the Urban Meyer, I'm an offensive guy. We're going to get this offense cooking, all right? And we're going to do that. And, and he believes in the offensive line. He wants speed. He now has Philip Dorsett. He adds ETN with more speed and Marvin Jones with more speed. And they already had some guys that could move a little bit. They're pretty dynamic, man. I mean, if you do talk about their offense right now, I don't want to get overly excited. I, I don't want to go Kansas City Chiefs on you, okay? Yeah. But can we draw a comp on paper? to another team in the NFL without going over the top and being overly dramatic. You now have James Robinson. He can thump you. You have ETN. He can beat you. You have a franchise quarterback. You have an offensive line and interior that a lot of teams would sign up for. Question marks at tackle, but the Jags believe in them. You have DJ Chark. He's been to the Pro Bowl. This is going to be a contract year coming up. I like hungry players. You have LaVisca Chenault. The guy is a lot of fun if you know what to do with him. You have Marvin Jones. He's a touchdown machine. You have Colin Johnson. You don't know what he's going to do quite yet. But I'm intrigued, especially in the red zone. I, again, I'm not telling you that the Chiefs, because they're just not proven no, enough to well, even be that, all right? Well, first of all, you don't have Tyreek Hill, and you don't have Travis Kelsey. Yeah, so and you, you don't have that. You so are definitely not the Chiefs. I, I'm just trying to put it in perspective. I'm getting excited about all those names and what I see on paper, yeah. because I always say this. I think young quarterbacks, when you're picked number one overall or in the top five, walk into bad offenses. Like Peyton Manning walked into a bad offense in Indianapolis until they built that up. Andrew Luck walked into a bad offensive line for years, remember. So I think Trevor's set up really nice, and I kind of equate it maybe to like what the Rams were doing a little bit, uh, like that kind of firepower. Uh, you, not this past yeah. year maybe, but two years ago when they have See, a lot of weapons, but they're not going to score 45 a game, you know? To, to me, this screams of the New Orleans Saints back when they had Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. Yeah. Um, that's what this reminds me of, of. Of you know, obviously, I think Michael Thomas got there eventually as well. Now, listen, they don't have a Michael Thomas quite yet. I think DJ Chart could grow into maybe like a Michael Thomas type. Yeah, he's not that good. But um, you know, I think the tight end position, even in and maybe I'm wrong here, but I feel like in New Orleans it was it was lacking a little bit during that time. And they relied on running the ball. You had a guy in Drew Brees who got the job done, but it was the Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara show, and they made it work. Now, eventually, what happened? Mark Ingram got hurt a little bit. Alvin Kamara was elevated to the every down back. And let's be honest, he, he, he didn't give that position up, and they had to let Mark Ingram go. So that's what it reminds me of possibly more than anything. The difference is, though, is it's great to have that type of offense, but they also had a great defense that had complementary football. Yeah, true. And once again, I can't echo this enough. You're talking about a defense right now in Jacksonville that last year was the bottom of the league in a lot of stats in terms of team defense. Now they've addressed some. Um, in free agency, obviously, but I think you got to address some more as well. Can they get a lot better in this night-to-night on defense with what's available? You feel pretty good about what they have the capability of doing. We don't know what they're going to do because, let's be honest, remember Shad Khan's interview? Might see some surprises. This well, was a little bit of a surprise. And, and you kind of hear the, the rumbling is a little bit of possibly a cornerback being taken um, with pick number 33. We'll see how that goes. It's not my personal first choice. I think if you want Christian Barmore, I think if you want uh, you know, Trevon Merrick, you, you got to pull the trigger on those guys right now because they can come in right away and make an immediate impact and most likely be a starter from their respective positions. Every team's going to say, we're going with this guy, we're going with this guy along. We can't believe he fell to us. Yeah. But if Quiddy Pay had dropped a little lower and gone to the uh, got available at the Jags, do you think they would take a guy like that over ETN? Would it be just too good a value 
to pass up, the Titans end up taking, I think, at 22. Yeah, once again, I think that that's a classic Joe Cullen type of guy right there. But if we got Urban Meyer calling the shots to talk about the offense, I have a hard time believing that Travis Etienne uh, would not have been selected in that spot. The curious point would be, though, is if Pittsburgh did take Travis Etienne and Najee Harris was still on the board, what Urban Meyer would feel about him. Yeah, I don't think they would have taken Harris. Still a pretty good third down back as well. I mean, he, he really added a lot to his receiving game. Yeah, he did. Uh, hey, we're, we're just getting started, right? What's going to happen yes. tonight? A little more on Trevor Lawrence as well. As first impressions of the young man that we got to meet at a one-on-one interview earlier in the day with Trevor Lawrence. You'll hear that on the show. We're live at TIAA Bank Field. Brett Martin, Austin Lane. Coos back in the studio. Marcel right here. What a fun Friday in Jacksonville. The shift is starting to turn right here on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. All right, Jason Fitz, thanks for checking in, man. We didn't try to keep you too, too long today. We, had, we, we gave you a shorter one. Austin Lane. Hey, hey, Jason, real quick, man, since you have oh, that Belinikoff award, um, you know, since you can, you know, vote on that, Murray State's got a couple good receivers. <laughs> no, they, they, they didn't play this year, okay? They didn't play a game this year, but Murray State's got a couple good receivers. Just check them out real quick. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Yeah, health-wise, I'm feeling really good. I don't know what percentage I'd be. I don't even know how to gauge that, but I'm on track. I'm actually a little bit ahead of schedule, so expecting to be back, you know, whenever we get started. So really ready for that, like I said, to be a part of a team again. And then as far as the logistics of getting here and all that stuff, I haven't figured it out exactly yet. Got to find a spot to stay in first. So trying to figure that out. Obviously, there's a lot of moving parts, but no matter where I'm at, I'm going to start working out here Monday and get, get back to my normal routine. That is Trevor Lawrence, number one overall pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Hopefully we don't have to talk about quarterbacks, drafts, number one overall picks for a long time, but it was pretty cool to talk about it. I'll say that. Uh, it was fun. It was different, and um, it was a cool 24 hours or so, and I still think it is in the city. I, I think you can feel it. And by the way, this kid, let's talk about Trevor Lawrence a little bit as we are at TIA Bank Field. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, who's back in the studios the day after the draft, but the draft continues tonight, and we're going to talk about it because – uh, Vegas has odds on what the Jaguars are going to take, and I don't get it. I, I don't understand it. Uh, I think Vegas. I'm just. I don't get the whole thing. Or Vegas is wrong. But I'll get to that <laughs> first. Tr- Trevor Lawrence is. I mean, here's the thing. I saw him get out of uh, the vehicle today. Yeah. Right in front of the stadium. So we're out there live in our noon show and anticipating him coming. And the, the third graders from Long Branch Elementary were there with signs. Really cool. Nice job by the Jags and everybody that set that up. He thought it was cool, him and his wife, Marissa. But he gets out, and then you've got all this media. you got some national media. There's some Orlando media. There's all the local media. There's still photographers. There's video cameras. There's reporters. And, I mean, it had a paparazzi feel to it. It really did, you know? It's like you don't see a, a player often. Now, Josh Allen did a couple years ago come with his wife, right? Mm-hmm. And But – they, it looked like something out of like the royal family, you know. I mean, it really did. It it had that. But part of the reason it did, Austin, is because this dude's got a presence about him. Like he's six foot six, so you notice him, right? You notice him in a crowd. You know that. That's the way you are. You're six foot six. Yeah. So when you're that big, you stand out. Yeah. But then in this suit that he's got on, uh, with the hair and. With all the expectations just kind of shrugged off his shoulders. Not wearing a tie, by the way, Not too. wearing a tie, Not wearing Coos. a tie, by the way, Coos, by the way, too. Uh, he, he, he commands, like, presence in a room, even though we weren't in a room, yeah. you know? He, you know that person that walks into the room, and it's like you know he's there. And so. that was Trevor Lawrence. And that was the first impression that I got. 
Uh, also, Sherrick, real quick, after pictures and uh, kind of fist-pumping the kids and, and addressing the kids, he was walking away from them and walking through the gates to go take a COVID test. Mm-hmm. And he said to his wife, Marissa, he said, that was very cool. Like, he wasn't yeah. prompted to say it. He just thought it was very cool. There's there's just that, like, some almost like a simple nature to him that he appreciated even that moment, uh, which I thought was pretty neat. It's it's awesome. And, you know, watching the draft at home on TV, and listen, I, I'm not going to judge quarterbacks by the reactions or, or how they handle that big moment. But, like, if you watch Zach Wilson compared to Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence was Joe Cool, go with the flow. Like, hey, man, yeah, I mean, I, I've been – and you know what? With all due respect, he saw this coming for a, <laughs> yeah, lot, a long plenty time. Plenty of time to prep, So right? I get that. Plenty of time to prep. But one would assume that Zach Wilson had the same thing, right? I think he thought he was going to go number yeah. two overall. But, like, you know, even, like, Zach Wilson, I don't want to say – and, like, I don't want my words to be misconstrued here, but, like, Trevor Lawrence just had that vibe, like, yeah, man, let's get to work, let's go. Like, I mean, I knew this was going to happen. Zach Wilson was a little more, like, excited, like, emotional about it, a a little more just like, wow, this is a big moment, holy cow, I hope I don't say anything stupid. Like, he just had kind of, I don't want to say he was nervous or anything, but maybe anxious would be the better word. Trevor Lawrence was just calm, cool, collected, kind of what we've uh, grown accustomed uh, from his interviews so far that we've seen. So, like, that's what I took away. You know, Justin Fields, like, he was celebrating, he was excited. Like, there's different reactions for everybody. But, like... The guy that I saw in Trevor Lawrence has been the guy that I've seen the entire time on the football field and off the football field. It seems like he carries the same demeanor with him. And once again, we're, we're very far away from the opening uh, week here of the NFL season, but I feel like that's going to do him you know, a, a huge service when he gets out there and it starts to be the leader of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, it's interesting part of the psyche. Uh, he has all that. I, it, I went to Cartersville. They said that. Mm-hmm. I went to Clemson twice. They said that. Talk to Dabo. They say that. Urban Meyer says it. Shad Khan says it. Everybody says it. But to see it, listen, I, all these tr- – travels all the 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 stalking as you would say yeah. even though i never did get um a restraining order uh put against me hey but, you got plenty of time man <laughs> the, i saw i saw if you talked to him today a little bit and now he's putting face to name he's getting ready to file it right now as we speak <laughs> but uh, all of that and i never saw him. yeah like never ran into him yeah never met him in person i saw him through the doors at clemson as he was throwing in pro day so this is as seriously it's weird because i feel like i know him Sure. You know, with sure. all our coverage of him yeah. and seeing him, all that stuff, but we really don't. So just that first impression was kind of all that stuff that the folks in Cartersville, the folks at Clemson said. But the, even to see it, it's that presence in the room, and everybody knows what that means, yep. and you can feel that. And you know why I think there's some of it is because he's done this. This is an old dance for him. He's done it since he was in eighth grade. I mean, sure. that's the reality, you know. Uh, Tim Tebow, even at a young age, was very comfortable in front of microphone cameras and the rest. Why? Because he had done it for a long, long time. Well, this kid's the same way in that res- in that respect. I also think this. I think when you're really good at something, whatever that is, take something you're really good at, uh, whether it's ping pong, whether it's for me, Miss Pac-Man, whether it's for you, uh, putting watching movies anime. together on Twitter. You know? <laughs> like, That's what I'm known for, Brent. My editing skills when I'm making a video. Yes, but sir. when you're really good at something, yeah. you, you puff your chest out a little bit more. Absolutely. You, you walk with a coolness yeah. in that moment. Yeah. Now, when you're not so great at something, or there's a little bit of curiosity even amongst your own self, and uh, if something, well, you're a little bit more anxious. You're, you're like, am I going to fit here? Am I? This kid knows he's got such good stuff that he's confident. 
And even at this level, he knows he's going to have good stuff that translates. That's what I say. And I don't say that in an arrogant way. I just think that's the way he carries himself because every single time he's stepped on a football field in his life, yeah. it's been some of the best stuff that people have seen. Yeah. And I just feel like he doesn't think that's going to be any different. Not from an arrogant, no. cocky way, no, no, but no, from no, a no. very confident and, hey, this is easy for me. This is slow for me. And in reality, it's not, but he feels that way. You can sense that in people, and I sense that in Trevor Lawrence. No, and I absolutely agree with you here. Let's be honest. When you go from the college game to the pro game, there is a transition. I, I don't care how talented you are, how successful you are, or what position you play. There is a transition. What Trevor Lawrence has going for him, though, and, and listen, like, he even said it himself in the press conference, he hasn't earned his stripes yet, right? Like, he, he's got to come in, earn the respect of his teammates, become the leader. Like, that takes time. You just don't come in day one and get that. But he's coming into a situation where he seems like he's already initiated, where he seems like he's already been in this environment where he's comfortable with that. And I think, you know, that's one thing that he has over every other quarterback that was drafted last night is that he's already initiated. At least he seems like he's initiated. Like once again, that comes down to the demeanor. It comes down to the, the way he answers questions and just, you know, just his calm, cool nature. That, once again, is going to pay dividends when it's, you know, week two of training camp and guys are probably deadbeat tired in this heat. And, you know, they're like, what are we doing out here? Trevor Lawrence could be that guy to say, hey, guys, I got this. We're going to win some ball games. Yeah. Trust me. Follow me. And let's go. And that's that's the best thing about it is you don't have to be the vocal leader, right? You, you don't have to, you know, chew everybody out and, and get them motivated. If you just lead by example, and, and I think Trevor Lawrence does a great job of that, and I'm sure he can chew somebody out if he has to, but if he just leads by example, I think these guys will eventually follow him for sure. I agree with you. And, and he's been in the moments, and the moments aren't too big. And, and I don't think they will be here in Jacksonville either. It seems like a good fit. It's a good first day impression. And uh, there's reason to be excited. There really is. Uh, not just because he looks good in a suit, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because he really looks good out here uh, on the field. And we'll continue to talk about Trevor Lawrence here from Trevor Lawrence. But I want to ask you this, man. You just had the Vegas odds for tonight at 33 for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes. What am I missing? Give so, us the odds. What am is, I missing about tonight? So so this is – and once again, like, I go to these odds a lot. I went to them with Trey Lance because obviously Trey Lance, the, the, the odds last night, they dropped big time. He was like minus 180 to 200. Oh, so was it's kind of obvious that – he started at plus 400, by the way. Yeah, days even ago. though yeah. we could have put money on that. We should and I talked about – We should have done it four money. months ago. We should have put – yeah, exactly. But here we are now. But with cornerback right now in Vegas, and this is according to – Bobata.com, which is a pretty reliable source, obviously, when it comes to Vegas. Um, the cornerback position is the favorite to get drafted at the 33rd pick by the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that's minus 350, which is a pretty big favorite uh, in terms of, you know, betting. Um, defensive lineman, and th- this is insane to me. Defensive lineman, obviously, we talk about Christian Barmore a little bit. Obviously, a new 3-4 defense, you got to establish the defensive line. Urban Meyer likes the trenches. Defensive lineman is plus 1,500. Plus 1,500. The gap there makes no sense to me. And then the safety, obviously, Trevon Merrick, a guy that, I mean, I think we both like him. Richie Grant, Merrick, yeah. yeah. Plus 450. When you told me the cornerback was what it was, minus 450? Uh, It's 350. 350? When you said it was that much of a favorite, I said... Well, maybe they think Merrick has played corner before and has the capability, yeah. and so they're listing him that way in Vegas for some reason. It's no. like a secondary member. Yeah, no. Look, I, look, I cover this team all the time. I mean, we talk about them all the time. I don't know if I fully get this. They should, if, if it was a corner. Now, 
God bless him if it is. I didn't expect him to take a, a running back, okay? And, <laughs> and I'm okay with the running back. So yeah. you can probably talk me into the corner. I saw Miami do this. Why are they adding another corner and another corner? And yeah, did, they right? had a very yeah. good defense. And, and you play the – you know, listen, what people are going to – if they take a corner, they're going to say, listen, you're in the nickel 65 70% of the time. Like you have three corners out there all the time. I just look at what the Jags have. Last year, C.J. Henderson. This year, they go get Shaq Griffin. That's a pretty good investment in the cornerback position. You have bodies that you actually already invested in, yeah. and you have at least veteran guys like Herndon and Sidney Jones to move around that are capable players. I don't fully get the cornerback thing unless they think they have problems potentially with C.J. Henderson that hasn't surfaced yet, and they don't have a lot of confidence there, and they think this kid... Whoever they're going to take tonight, what might be Tyson Campbell out of That's Georgia, word, yeah. could be really good. I mean, there were some corners that passed by the Newsome kid. They, yeah. He got off the board. I don't get it, man. What am I missing? Tell me. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I wish I could right now, man. I wish I had the answer for you because we're talking about my position uh, you know, of football, of defense. I don't get this as well. Um, I don't get it when you don't even know who your starting defensive linemen are, interior-wise, and you have Christian Barmore there. I don't get it when you see a guy like Trevon Merrick who could probably be an upgrade from Jared Wilson. Can we say here right now, and once again, let's assume maybe it is Tyson Campbell out of Georgia. Can we sit here and say right now that he comes in day one and starts over uh, C.J. Henderson? Because I can't. I can't say that. And, and once again, I know like it's more than base defense. You go into yeah, nickel yeah. packages. Well, they got to see stuff. whoever this is yeah. as a nickel guy. Yeah. I mean, I guess. They have but, to. I don't know, man. I, in, in well, listen, value, Campbell can fly. So speed, yeah. right? Sure, speed, sure. speed, speed, speed. Sure. So he can fly. Maybe that's part of it. I just don't fully understand it. I mean, I, I could give you four positions. Again, we're going need versus value. Maybe there's a great value pick in here. Maybe the need for speed is more than the need for positions. <laughs> you know, there could be some other things going on. I just, I'm not saying it's inexplicable. I can tell you a little bit. They, they really strengthen. Again, yeah. Miami, I scratched my head when they did that. They, yeah. they have. They sign guys and and they new contract guys and they draft guys all for the corner position and you know it it looks like it's going to work it looks like it's going to be a pretty good thing so maybe they're piggybacking off something like that or maybe they just see the value of a guy like if it is Tyson Campbell uh, that it's so good that we're going to go get this good player again it makes me very curious about C.J. Henderson. Henderson, injury problems last year. There were some weird things going on with C.J. Henderson yeah, last yeah, year. Yeah. Is there more of an issue with Henderson inside this building than anybody knows? I don't know, but it makes me ask the question. Well, and keep in mind, too, C.J. Henderson is not Urban Meyer's guy. He is. Right? He had nothing to do with C.J. Henderson getting drafted. Now, Trent Baalke was in that room, and he had something to do with it. But what did we just talk about with Travis Etienne? It seems like Urban Meyer, at least for the first round, well, at least for the 25th pick, obviously, uh, might be calling the shots a little bit. So, once again, if, if you're not tied to C.J. Henderson and you don't owe him anything because, once again, new regime, maybe they do go out of the cornerback position. But I've, I've spoke my piece on this very much. I feel like with a new defense, with guys that you're unsure of and you have a bunch of free agent guys that look promising, but once again, they haven't played together yet. We don't know how they're going to mesh together. And you still have some holes on the interior defensive line, and you have a safety spot that can get upgraded. Why you wouldn't go those one or two positions, I have no idea. Like, I mean, the fact that it's plus 1,400 for defensive line? Dang, Brent. I want to ask you, who would you take? Because I've got a theory on Barmore a little bit. 
uh, this is probably not the most original theory, but I'll give yeah. you my sense of that versus Merrick versus the idea going outside the box here, which could be jumping up to maybe because they value a Friar Muth, well, right? Or yeah. or because or it's Tyson Campbell or another corner or or they go in a position like an offensive lineman, like well, really what what? Well, so there's a variety of ways to go. So with Bar- see, if it's me, I take Merrick. I think Merrick's gonna be the, the first guy off the board if it wasn't Jack. All right, hold that thought. Yeah, I want okay. more on why when yeah. we come back. Let's take a break. We're at TIAA Bank Field. Home of the Jacksonville Jaguars, home of Trevor Lawrence, home of Travis Etienne, home of who else coming up tonight? Three more picks on the docket for the Jags. That starts at 7 o'clock, and you can listen to the draft right here on ESPN 690. We'll be back from the bank on ESPN 690. We have, we have a very good idea, but when we left last night, you know, uh, we felt very good about where we were at and coming into the day with who's left on the board, how we're positioned, where we're positioned, feel really good about how this day could go. And uh, now, now we just trust the board, like I said last night, and I think we're, we're at peace with where we're at on the board, and I, uh, you know, we'll see how it lays out. That's Trent Baalke. They know where they're going, of course. And I guess you could make the case they could move down. Uh, somebody could trade with them if they covet somebody. But I think there's enough of a bundle of players. Somebody would really have to covet, like, Barmore or Merrig or, and make a move. And I just don't see that happen. I think the Jags are going to pick 33rd. And uh, they know who they're taking. No doubt about it. Yeah. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane. Coos here on a Friday, a fun Friday in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne. Who's next? Vegas says it's a corner. Yes. If it is a Tyson Campbell, it figures to be the next guy off the board, right? Because there are, what, like four corners go in the first round, I think it was? Yeah. High commodity Uh, for sure. So what's next? Uh, And we're sitting here saying, oh, Trevon Murray, everybody's talking about him in the process leading up to the draft. What about him at 33? That seems like some value. Christian Barmore out of Alabama, defensive tackle help. Yeah. We're just talking in break. We're trying to figure it out. Yeah. And I would say this. I do think if if they don't take a Barmore – I think they might have addressed free agency so much, uh, defensive line, so much in free agency. They might have said, you know what, Rome wasn't built in a day. We got what we got for now. We think we got better. Let's move on to another position. They might have done that, which means they don't value Barmore enough to add him to that defensive line. No, and you're not wrong there, but it also begs the question where Urban Meyer said it himself, you win in the trenches. Okay, so what do we know so far? Malcolm Brown, starting nose tackle, hands down. We know that. Obviously, on one side in terms of playing that big defensive end role, I think Daniel Ross, obvious, right? I mean, he's going to be the guy going forward uh, from Chicago. Yeah. Uh, Robertson uh, Harris. I'm sorry, Robertson, not Daniel Ross. He's the other guy. Yeah, they added Ross. Yeah, yeah, uh, Robertson Harris. My bad. So Robinson Harris unequivocally going to be a defensive end as well. So then the question remains, who's playing the other defensive end? Do you go Jihad Ward? Do you go Taven Bryan? Uh, do you go Devon Hamilton? Do you go Doug Costin? Do you go Adam Gotsis? Um, do you go Daniel Ross? There's, there, there's names there. There's intriguing names there, right? Like I think Devon Hamilton earned some stock last year, as he should have. But, like, do we feel comfortable putting any of those guys in the starting role? I would feel Jihad Ward, depending on where his weight is. Because, once again, we don't really know exactly what the plan with Jihad Ward is. But if his weight is up there, then, yeah, maybe the starting defensive end as well. But that, that to me, is where you know Christian Barmore can come in and provide a little more depth if he's not going to start day one. 
Yeah, so Barmore is a guy that, listen, I liked. I mocked him 25. I, yeah. I think it made a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, but the Jaguars know Charlie Strong knows him, right? He you does. said that. And so, and, and he slipped. Some teams had him, or some of these drafts. So again, these are all just mocks, so it's not like, yeah. why did this happen? But had him as high as 16, 17, 18, yeah. and nobody picked him in the first round. So did is there a, a red flag area? Uh, and there are some signs for Barmore. He only did it for a few games. Mm-hmm. He was a late bloomer at Alabama, but the ceiling is pretty high. Then Merrick, I can't find a lot of red flags on Merrick. Merrick seems to make sense to me, upgradable position at safety. You like Merrick. I do, a lot. But let's eliminate Barmore for a moment sure. and say, hey, go my theory. They're done. They, they addressed it in free agency. They got better. They made a lot of moves at defensive line. They're not going to do anything else there. They don't like this draft for defensive line. And that's fair. So, so let's go corner versus safety. Yes. And you just read up Tyson Campbell a little bit more, yeah. more of an outside guy, yeah. not a slot well, guy. But, but, I mean, listen, everybody can play everywhere, it seems like, these true, days. True, true. But they say a better fit on the outside. Well, and let's be honest, Brent. Like, we're talking the first and second round cornerbacks. Usually these guys are taking the one or two receiver on the outside, right? Like, very rarely do you take a, a cornerback who's predominantly played slot uh, in college. So, yeah, if you go after a guy like Tyson Campbell, um, I think you'd put him on the outside. And then it kind of begs the question, well, would he be playing out of position if you do put him in the slot, right? Because what did Joe Cullen, you know, eloquently say? He, he wants to adapt this defense to who he has as personnel. Well, if you draft a guy like Tyson Campbell, where do you put him then? Do you move C.J. Henderson to like that three in the slot? I'm not sure what you do with that. Well, this I, I said it in the last segment, folks. Is there a red flag about C.J. Henderson? Yeah. Injuries, some maybe weird behavior at times last year from the outside looking in. I don't want to go crazy with that, but sure. we did kind of have those conversations last year. Yeah. Is there concern about C.J. Henderson here in this building? If they make this pick, I would certainly wonder that. Oh, that would lead me to believe that there is a lack of confidence somewhere along the way in C.J. Henderson. Now, we've heard Urban Meyer talk about C.J. Henderson in a very good way. Mm. So that kind of was like, okay, he's back, he's good. Any of the rumors that you might hear or anything like that, don't worry about it. But if they pick a corner and expect him to play on the outside, I would question, even if they don't expect him to play on the outside, yeah. I would question that a little bit. It would make me ask that question not only to myself but probably to them, what's the deal with C.J. Henderson? You know, it's it's one thing, once again, where if you don't get Shaq Griffin, right, if you don't address the cornerback position, then possibly I can see it, right? Because in terms of depth or in terms of another starting caliber guy, I understand but you you spend your revenue, you you spend your salary cap on Shaq Griffin. Obviously, he's going to be the the top corner coming in here now. And once again, I understand Urban Meyer did not draft C.J. Henderson, so he's not tied to him. But the fact remains, he's still a first round pick, a former first round pick that essentially you know was supposed to replace Jalen Ramsey. And he's on his first year, right, going into his second year right now. And I always say, what you make your most progress from your first year to your second year. So. Maybe it is serious stuff with C.J. Henderson. Maybe they don't believe in him. Maybe there's something we're not seeing behind the scenes. But I'm just saying, if everything is good with C.J. Henderson, and he's on the field week one, and you have Tyson Campbell or some other corner as well, I just don't know where you're going to put everybody. Yeah, it'll be pretty interesting. Trevon Merrick is another guy here that, that the Jags could have their eye on. Hey, listen, there might be somebody else, too. Asante Samuel Jr. is still True. out there, right? True. Uh, so maybe that's a corner. Yeah. Everybody's talking now Tyson Campbell, Yeah. but... I mean, it could be Asante Samuel Jr. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it very well could be as well. Um, like I said, I just like Trevon Merrick, man, because 
what if this, what this three four defense is going to try to do, I think he does a lot of those things. You've well. always said that. I yeah. want you to elaborate on that on the other yeah. side. I got to run do a little TV. We talk more about this upcoming draft, these rounds two and three, what the Jags will do, what kind of impact they can get, what else will they do on offense to help Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence make this a dynamic offense in the next couple of days. Brent Martin, Austin Lane, live on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 from the bank when we come back at four.